Talk about their journey, about the paths they're walking, and the way in which God is in the midst of restoring and guiding them and leading them. And so uh, they're showing a ton of confidence and courage tonight. Uh, Luke and Ella are going to come and speak. So come on up. Yes. Hey, everyone. Uh, my name's Luke. I'm 17, and I'm a junior here at Shorewood High School. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my story with uh, God. So, starting off, I, both my parents have been great role models for me uh, throughout all my life. I love them so much. They've really shown me what it's like to uh, have a relationship with God, especially my dad. Being a guy, uh, he's been a great friend and a, a great role model to me. Um, always gives me the best advice. Uh, it always seems like he has an answer to every problem that I have. Um, and I know he knows God. He loves God. He pushes me towards God all the time. Uh, he's just been a great uh, friend in times of need. Um, however, sometimes it, it can be hard to feel like you're worthy or like you've earned that love uh, when there's someone who is just embodies this perfect Christian guy, in my opinion. Uh, I know some of you can relate. There's, there's always someone that is better than you and, you, and you feel maybe like you're not worth that. Um, so it just, it became hard for me to feel like I was really earning the gift that God had given me. Uh, and it was, and it was tough. I began to feel really isolated beginning my high school career. Uh, I, uh, I was always good in school. And so I would go to, to places to look for that sense of worth. Like I could give people the answers to homework or to tests and they would in, in turn make me feel like I had given them a gift and like I was worth something. Uh, I, I could finish a group project on my own and, and get that, that group the A and they would be like, thanks Luke, but in the end I, I really realized they were only there uh, and they only wanted me for that one specific reason. Um, they didn't want me for me. Uh, and it wasn't until um, one Lent season a couple years ago, uh, I was at a, a youth group event uh, at my uh, youth group leader Kurt's house at that time, I had decided to give up desserts because I felt like it was something that was going to push me towards God and uh, give me that relationship. Uh, and that's when he told me that there's literally nothing I can do that's going to give me that closer, give me that closeness to God. Because as soon as you accept him into your life, uh, he's already there, he's already with you. So um, I had been looking at my faith as sort of a war with a lot of different battles. And every single one that I won, I got closer and closer and closer to that perfect Christian uh, life, but really all I needed to do was accept God into my life, and uh, that, has, that lesson has really guided my faith ever since. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Ella Tyler. I'm 16 years old and a sophomore at Linwood High School. Josh Rahalski, my student pastor, asked me to share about what Christ has been doing in my life. And as I began to ponder on the past year, I realized just how much God has been there for me and how he shaped me into the person I am today. My freshman year was very difficult, and keeping my faith that God had a plan for me was very challenging. The beginning of the year started off great. I joined my school's swim team, and I loved having a great group of girls to start high school off with. When swim came to an end and the year progressed on, I wasn't in touch with my team as much and I started to feel discouraged. 
My close friends from middle school had started to branch off into different school activities, and I started to feel like I was being left behind. I would come home from school, do my homework, and then go to bed. I never wanted to go out and began to exclude myself from social activities. I started to have panic attacks in the middle of the night, and I wouldn't be able to go back to sleep because I was so anxious about having to go to school the next day. The panic attacks got progressively worse, and in my mind, I thought I was dying. <laughs> During these restless nights, I would sit on my bed and pray for hours about how I just needed a little bit of peace. I would repeat Jeremiah 29:11 over and over again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and the future, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I would say to myself repeatedly. Um, I dreaded going to school. Nothing specifically happened to me that triggered all the anxiety I was feeling. It was just the atmosphere of the school and how socially absent I had become from everybody else. As the school year started to come to an end, the anxiety was replaced with excitement. I was getting ready to go to Young Life Malibu camp, and I was really looking forward to it. My experience at camp was honestly the best week of my life, and the peace that I had prayed for night after night was found by experiencing God's grace through all of it. One of my favorite parts about Malibu was the speaker we had the opportunity of hearing from. Her name was Kelsey Jenny, and her motto for us throughout the week was Tov Mayod, which translated from Hebrew means the best of the best of the very, very best. She was explaining that in the beginning, when God made the world, he said it was good. But when he made us, he said it was very good. There was something else she said that night that I will never forget. She said, look outside. Look at the mountains and the water. Look at the sky. And if you've been to Malibu, then you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> And look at everything that God has made, everything he has created. When God made all this, he said it was good. But when he made you and me and everyone else in this room, he said it was very good. He thinks of you as the best of the best of the very, very best. God thinks that you are greater than the most extraordinary views of the world. I was left with tears of joy. It was in that moment I realized it didn't matter what I was struggling with at school because having the knowledge that a God of the universe knows my name and loves me and thinks of me as his best work was, gave me a peace beyond compare. Even today, when I start to feel anxious about anything, I pray, I remember what she said, and then I'm so thankful that God has a plan for me. I chose a verse from Psalm 23, Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thank you. So. Thank you, Luke and Ella, for sharing what God is doing in your life. Um, that's profoundly meaningful for, for me and for the church to hear that. And... Uh, we want to be a blessing in the lives of students and children in our community. That's why we are so thankful when families are saying yes to fostering. That's why we're so excited what God's doing through our 6th through 12th grade ministry. We certainly think our most important task is influencing the next generation. So if you're a student in the room from 1st grade to 11th grade and somewhere in between, we want you to know that your life is of infinite value to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we know sometimes church can be boring and can maybe seem more for adults than kids, but this church really knows that you're the heartbeat of Jesus Christ himself. You're the future of the church. So we're so thankful when you're here, and we're sorry if we ever bore you, and we love you. And Luke and Ella just said it really well. So let me say a prayer, and I've got a few words to share with us as well. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in the lives of our students. We thank you for the hundreds of kids that call this church home. We thank you for the volunteers that share love with them each and every week. Lord God, we want to be a blessing in the lives of children, our community, and teens. And uh, thank you so much for the words that Luke and Ella shared and what you're doing in their life. We pray now, Lord, as we open the scriptures, that you would open us up to hearing a new and refreshing word about who you are and who you say we are. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, I have just a a short time with you this evening to share on the third verse of Psalm 23. And students, you're not often with us. We've been going slowly through Psalm 23, which is one of David's poems. The Psalms in the Old Testament is basically, they're just 150 poems. This was what many say the greatest poem in the Bible. And so we've been just going slowly through it. And today we come to the third verse. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Psalm 23.3. Our title for our message tonight is this, The Good Guide. And our theme today is about the direction. So what I asked Luke and Ella to share about was the direction of their life and what God is doing through them. Tonight, we'll be talking just for a brief moment about our direction with this title of The Good Guide. And I don't know if any of you have ever gone fishing or hunting or hiking where you had a guide, but right away when you hire somebody to guide you, you can tell if they're going to be a good guide or a bad guide. Anyone in the room ever hire a guide? Go fishing, hiking, skiing, etc. Okay. You kind of know right away. You're like, you can tell by the gear, you can tell by the, the kind of the walk, the stature, the whole deal. Well, some years ago, my dad and I got a chance to fish on the Quinault River. And the Quinault River is on the western coast of Washington State. It's one of the most famous steelhead rivers in the entire nation. The Quinault River is uh, protected by the Quinault tribe. You must use a tribal guide to fish on this river. And some of the biggest steelhead in all the United States are caught in Washington on the Quinault River. But the Quinault River, this is the Quinault River. And it constantly is branching out into different forks and different different levels. And so if you don't know what you're doing, you can't run a boat effectively down the river. We showed up one morning, we had a guide, and like right away I knew like, this doesn't seem like a great guide. He didn't know how to start the jet boat. He didn't know where the gear was. He was 30 minutes late. Like things did not start well. And my dad and I, you know, all the other guides we were with, they went out with other guides, and we kind of looked at our guide, we're like, wow, I'm not sure we have a good guide. And sure enough, we hop in the boat, and we go flying down the Quinault River. We're, we're cruising. We're like 40, 45 miles an hour in the jet boat, flying down the river. And then we come like at full speed to like a little branch like this. And I'm like, I don't trust our guide. I don't think this guy knows what he's doing. And I could tell he's kind of panicked, like left to right, left to right, left to right. Er, he takes the right. We go flying down. And literally the branch of the river we're on goes from quite wide to quite tiny. And we go like we ran out of river. He ran the, dra- the jet boat right up on the bank. And here we are, like we're watching the other boats cruise and then they're going to be fishing because we're drift fishing and casting and we're like pulling rocks out of the engine. I'm like, oh my gosh, not a good guide. The next day, guess what? 
we got a new guide, this old guide, like 70 years old. And right away you could tell, man, this, this guy really knew what he was doing. His name was Inky. And our friend who fished it all the time like, oh, you got to go with Inky. He's a good guide. Sure enough, Inky, that next day, he never led us astray. We stayed in the good water, the deep water. And that day with the, the two guys I was fishing with that day, personally got to be part of casting, hooking, setting the rod, bringing in three steelhead over 20 pounds. And a steelhead, this is a picture of a steelhead. Steelhead are incredible. They're an ocean-going trout. So they look like a salmon, but, they, so, but they're really just a huge rainbow trout. But unlike other rainbow trout that stay in fresh water, steelhead go out in the deep ocean and there's not many left. They're like the premier game fish in North America. So three steelhead that we got to catch and release back into the Quinault River, all because we had a good guide. So today we come to the third verse of Psalm 23, that where we hear about the, the Lord. The Lord refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. He refreshes, he guides. It's all about Jesus. And so our direction is focused not by what we do, like Luke was talking about, but by who God says we are, which is what Ella talked about, that we have a guide who's helping us find out who we are in Christ. And oftentimes we can be focused on the, the output of our life, but the guide of Jesus Christ in our life is constantly hoping to engage our hearts saying, you are mine, you, you're mine. And he wants to guide us along the right path just so that we can walk with him. And oftentimes in church, we might hear that it's all about our behavior, but the good shepherd, the Lord in Psalm 23 is reminding us that we are his. And he's refreshing our soul. He's guiding us along the right path for his glory. That's what we're talking about tonight, around this kind of question of like, how's our soul? How's the path that I'm walking? How am I doing with this? Jesus wants to heal you and bring you with him on a new journey. So let's look at the first point of our outline here, that God turns us. God turns us. In other words, when the beginning of the psalm says, he refreshes my soul, that, that God does this work of turning us. Now, last week... Uh, we talked about rest, and when, as in English, when we hear these words, he refreshes my soul, it sounds very relaxing, like we're going to the spa together. God wants to take me to the spa with him. Yes, Jesus, that sounds great, but it's not at all what David, the author, was saying. David kind of steps out of character. Remember, in this psalm, he's saying, I'm a sheep, the Lord is my shepherd, I'm going to follow him. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I don't want to think about what I don't have, I want to think about with God guiding me what I do have. And then all of a sudden, David kind of breaks, you know, breaks the narrative voice from just being a sheep to all of a sudden he's saying, yeah, but God does this work of refreshing my soul. Now, the Hebrew word for refreshing is not a trip to the spa. The Hebrew word for refreshment actually is a word like repentance or like turning around or shaping our life differently. So when, when David the psalmist says that, that the good shepherd longs to like turn us, it means that he wants to shape us. Now this is remarkable because the reality is for sheep, if they get stuck upside down, they, they will die. This is amazing. Like in the Old Testament where it says, why are you downcast, O my soul? What does that mean? Well, that means something in the Old Testament. Because for a sheep, if a sheep is cast, it means they're upside down. So I need to kind of show you this so you really get a visual. So I've asked, I've asked my son to be my sheep here. So 
Come on up, son. And I had a video, and then I showed some people earlier, and like, don't show the video. It's really disturbing. But the reality is a sheep on his back, this is called a cast sheep. And, and what sheep will do, they don't have, particularly if they haven't been shaved or if they're pregnant, they can't turn themselves, literally. And they will just, they might move their legs, flail a little bit, sheep. Yeah. And you're stuck there, aren't you? Yeah, and you can't talk because he's a sheep. This is brilliant. So when the scriptures say, why are you downcast? A cast sheep is utterly unable to turn himself on his own. So when, when David says here that the Lord refreshes my soul, he's saying my soul is turned by the one person that can turn it, the Lord Jesus himself. I can't turn myself to more joy. I can't turn myself, Luke talked about that when he was, he was trying to like perform, get better grades or do better in school or help people. He was trying to kind of fill that void of trying to look towards other people's behavior. But it wasn't until he experienced the love of Christ that he was turned. You can't, a cast sheep can't turn himself. So they might flay a little bit, but here's the remarkable thing about a cast sheep. They will lay here until they die. Like it's remarkable. A cast sheep will lit, and you could Google it yourself. There's videos on YouTube, and they're like, you know, like they're stuck here, and they will literally just lay down until they die, until a shepherd comes. This is why shepherds watch, because if a shepherd knows if my sheep get stuck down, they'll be, they'll be, they'll die without me. And so, what sheep will do in the field when 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 a shepherd will do in a field when a sheep gets cast is literally they won't run up on the sheep. Because sheep get scared really easy, and that can kill them. Like, they can die from a million things. But, but a shepherd will approach gently and softly to, to turn the sheep. And then we'll kind of help the sheep and pick them up. You're doing a great job, sheep, by the way. And kind of help them on their feet, even rub their legs if they're stuck. And then here, kind of help them, and then they walk off. Give your sheep a round of applause. Thank you. You got to trust me, that was way better than the video I was going to share you. That would have really kind of disturbed you this evening. But when, when David says that God turns us, it means he's refreshing my soul and helping me understand that my sole purpose is when I'm walking the good path with the shepherd with me. We can't turn ourselves. We can't turn ourselves. We are, we are people that need to be asking this question how is my soul? Turn to your neighbor right now and ask them, how's your soul? Turn to the person you came with and say, how's your soul this evening? How's your soul? All right? This is a question that we need to be asking. Okay? Now, let me show you something I think is pretty interesting. In theology, we are made truly as body, soul, and spirit. In theology, in theological terms, there's an image for that. It's called tripartite theology. This is something that we talk about as kind of theologians, but that every one of us has a body. And we have a spirit. The spirit in Genesis 2, it's spoken of again in Ephesians 2, that God breathed his spirit in us and turned us from dust to living beings. But in addition to body and spirit, we all have a soul. So when David says he refreshes my soul, he turns my soul, it's like, oh yeah, what is my soul? My soul are my emotions or my thoughts or my will. It's who I really am. That all of us are both body and spirit, but we're also a soul that's impacted by who God says we are. And it is our soul and the spirit in conjunction that influence our body. So that's why we say, I want to exercise will of my soul. I want to become more like who God says that I am. There's this incredible verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 that kind of show this tripartite theology. Now may the God of peace... Make you holy in every way, 
And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And so we are these people, body, soul, and spirit, that need to find our identity in who God says we are. We don't find our identity in what has turned us on our back. We don't find our identity in just our own efforts. We are multifaceted beings, body, soul, and spirit, meant to understand that it is God speaking into who he says we are that understands that God loves us. That's why in evangelism we talk about saving souls. We don't talk about saving bodies And we don't talk about saving spirit. Every one of us as humans, we have the very breath of God inside us. We have God's spirit. But when we say like, oh, let's go and and save souls, it's because it's the soul that makes us human. Your soul is what makes you human. And so this question of how is my soul becomes an important question. Not just how is my body, did I eat well, did I work out, or my spirit, which can feel very ethereal. You know, I've never touched my spirit, I don't know, but... How's my soul, this peace within me, where my joy flows from, where my goodness comes from, where the, where the impetus to my behavior comes from, this is where the shepherd longs to meet us. He longs to turn our souls around. And this is when the Christian faith gets really good, where in our soul we experience who God says we are. The Hebrew scholar Abraham Heschel says this, the true meaning of existence is disclosed in moments of living in the presence of God. The true meaning of our existence, of a good, soulful existence, is disclosed in moments of living in the presence of God. Or as Jesus said in Matthew 16, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Our soul matters. David says here, the Lord wants to turn our souls around. He wants the deepest parts of our character and the place that influences our behavior to be turned and reminded that we are God's. Today, I got a chance to do a memorial service this morning because we didn't have morning worship services over at Flora Hill Cemetery with a family who we love a great deal, lost their father, who had lived a good life 80 years. He was a police officer. He was a cop. He was a good man. And, and as the Seattle uh, police guard came and presented the colors where they put the flags up. Then all of a sudden, the Seattle police bagpipe player came walking in. You've, been, you've seen that? And all of a sudden, it's... And he starts playing Amazing Grace. And I got to tell you, it makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck. Of like, Wow. You know, any one of us can be in that urn right now. This man, Dwayne, had a good life, a long life. And we all can live as if our days would be limitless. But the good shepherd is longing us to live in such a way where we're taking care of our soul. Finding our identity of our soul and who God, the shepherd, says we are. He refreshes our soul. He turns us. And then the the shepherd, he guides us. He guides me along the right paths. The, The other translation for this is he guides me into righteous ruts. He writes, he guides me, he moves me, he takes me into a place where I am able to experience the goodness of God in my soul because I'm following after the shepherd. Uh, Good guides me into, you know, these right paths. We're not given a map. We're only called to walk a path of more Jesus in your life. Luke, you're you're 11th grade. Like, God's not going to tell you where to go to college and when you'll be, like, we don't get a map, but we do, we're called to a path 
of, of righteousness, not earning anything, not trying to earn our way to Jesus, but understanding that when we walk the good, righteous rut, when we're able to experience God's righteousness, we're a blessing in the lives of others. Your behavior can be a, a blessing in the lives of others. Mothers and fathers in this room, you get the experience of evangelizing your own family by how you live out the faith of Jesus Christ. And, and this was David who wrote Psalm 23. He learned this in his own life where he was trying to do good things and trying to do good things. And then all of a sudden, he made a horrible mistake. And he had to come face to face with his actions were not consistent with his beliefs. Her name was Bathsheba. You can talk about it with your parents later. But the fact of the matter is he came face to face with the fact that his life is determined by, by the matter of his steps. And those of us in the room say, you know, I want my soul to be aligned to the goodness of God, that I want to walk after him. I'm not given a map, but I want to walk these righteous ruts, these good steps. And so I want you to ask yourself, church, how is your walk with Christ? Are you, are you walking the path of trying to follow the shepherd? Are you kind of frozen right now as an upside down sheep? Like, oh, I don't know where I'm at right now. Are you walking away from the Lord? That's okay. He loves you, but he doesn't want you to stay in places where your soul is being tormented by your decisions. And so walk the path. He's guiding you. He's a good guide. He's calling you. Follow me. This is the best life imaginable when we're following who God says we are. And finally here, this, this final piece of Psalm 23 of God's glory, that for it's his namesake, that God first refreshes my soul, second, guides me along the right path, third, for his namesake, it's all about God's glory. And it's really, really different where we kind of wake up and we just focus on my life, what God is, you know, what, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to work, what, you know, but the reality of Psalm 23 is we're called to follow a shepherd for his glory and not our own. And that means that every path we walk can be an opportunity to share God's glory. Every day is a chance to give God glory for his name's sake. This frees you up. If you're in a place you don't want to be right now, in a status you don't want to live right now, uncertain around the next path right now, know that this day matters as an opportunity to give God glory. There are no cul-de-sacs in the Christian walk of faith. Every step is a potential to show God's glory. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake, not my own. This is what Jesus says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Christ is calling us as our good shepherd to walk these good paths for his glory. So I want to just have three practical thoughts before I wrap up. First of all, this. Three practical thoughts on how do I actually live like this, where he's refreshing my soul and I'm walking these like good paths for God's glory and not my own. The first thing I want to remind you of is you need refreshment, church. You need refreshment. You can't survive on your own power. You can't, you can't just do things in order to earn God's love. You need to be turned and reminded that God is radically, amazingly in love with you. Be refreshed in that. Second, evaluate the paths you are walking right now. Are they the righteous roads? Are you kind of stuck in places of indecision? Are you walking away from the Lord? Jesus is beckoning you to evaluate your paths and to walk on towards him, the good shepherd, where he waits for more intimacy with you. Third and finally, I want to encourage you, friends, I want you to live the comeback. 
I love that idea of the sheep being turned and gently being restored to walk on into its path. Every one of us in the room was created in the image of God in order to bear his glory in us. We were given his spirit so that in our soul we could live bodies that are walking past to give God glory. And so when you live in such a way that honors God, his glory is lifted up. And he's saying, oh, thank you so much for being my light in this city. Because we need his light in this city. And so whether you're in elementary school, junior high, high school, or many years past that, friends, the bagpipes will play. The bagpipes will play. And this is normally when my kid's like, oh, man, here goes dad again, talking about we're going to die someday. But our lives matter a great deal. The stuff we think. The way that we walk, that our soul would know God. That's where the good stuff is. And so may you walk and not grow weary. May you praise God and not be discouraged. He loves you so much. Let me say a prayer over us now. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this evening, for these young ones, for the chance to worship you. We pray now as we close in worship, Lord, that you'd remind us that you are in the business of restoring our souls. May you help Encourage us to ask that question, how is my soul, and what do I need to get walking after Jesus again? Lord, may you draw us all, young and old, closer and closer to your heart so that we may experience those good words of our purpose and meaning. You're the good shepherd calling us for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. Will you stand with us as we close in song?